Oh, uh, hello, Jen. Oh, hello. Say hello to everyone who's listening. How many people is it? And we might be in double figures now. Per, it's been for a few weeks. Yeah, but they won't know that. Okay. okay. Hi, everyone. Hello. I see you've written on the notes there, one of us is enthusiastic and one of us dot 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 isn't. Which guess, one? Guess which? Oh. Am I lacking enthusiasm? Is this by direction? You've already just, pointed out that I have a sing-song voice. You so. do have a very melodic voice. <laughs> I don't think melodic was the word you used. It's the word I'm using now because <laughs> I'm being recorded. Interesting. Yes. Anyway, um, for all you many individual uh, new listeners, um, we have six questions dotted throughout. Trivia questions. Yep. TV and film related. Answers answers at the end. You're competing against Jenny. She usually does, you know, bang average. Average to poor <laughs> in recent weeks. Um, we'll talk about what we've watched this week, what we may watch next week, what you should watch next week, and we'll do a deep dive into the 2019 film The Assistant, starring... Ruth from uh, the Ozarks. Yeah. And if you're looking for her to play a role where which requires smiling, you once again will be disappointed. I think there was one smile, but it was very fleeting before her face yeah. returned to its natural resting position, which is unhappy. But that's not a criticism. We do love her for that. Absolutely. My <laughs> She's great. My general lack of enthusiasm for most things kind of, you know, fits that like a hand in glove. I think you'd get on well, yeah. Anyway. Right. Uh, rambling again, I think. Um first two questions. You ready, Jen? She's genuinely recoiling at the prospect of um demonstrating some bang average uh, <laughs> Movie knowledge again. Okay, here we go. The last two are more in your um, area of interest. So I can say. work towards. You can my build points. up. Yeah. Okay. Oh, so first question one: Tom Cruise starred with his then wife Nicole Kidman in Stanley Kubrick's last film. What was it? Uh, I can't repeat what she's just mouthed, <laughs> but it's it rhymes with luck. <laughs> Okay. I th- you don't answer it out loud because the, no, I'm not. I'm just. I'm just. The many tens of listeners are <laughs> on the very edge of their um, uh, desperation okay. for me to carry on. Sorry. Question two: Who plays the character title character in 2016's Deadpool? Okay. Okay. You think, you, you think you got that I one? I think I do, yes. I think you got that one. Right. I haven't seen the film. There was no mouthed expletive in response to that one. Anyway, because I feel so. like out of the two of those questions, I should know the first one. You should. Yeah. Yeah. But I can't think but, of it at the moment. It'll okay. come to me. It won't. Mm. It'll come to you with in the answer. <laughs> yes. Right, okay. What, what, have we, what, what have we watched this week? Well, for me... Well, for both of us, really. But for me, I watched my first James Bond film all the way oh, through yes. because I said I've never seen a James Bond film all the way through. And I don't, I don't really know why. It's just not something that ever really piques my interest. So we've bought the DVD box set and we can now work through them in order, which I find much more 
um, much more of an accomplishment, I suppose, than just saying, oh, I've seen the James Bond Probably Wonder. quite interesting to see how it evolves. Yeah, so we watched Doctor No. Um, Sean Connery came out in 1962, and I, I, I enjoyed it. Was it one you'd seen before? Yeah, oh, years ago. Yeah. So, I mean, it, yes, it ticks all the boxes of being a Bond film, doesn't it? He has his martini shaken, not stirred. He calls himself Bond, James Bond. There's a Bond girl, and... He comes out all right in the end. Yeah, so, there's some. I enjoyed it. There's some interesting depictions of groups of in society, but you know, yeah. it's 1962. I do like where they put the filter over the camera to pretend like it's nighttime, when quite clearly it isn't. <laughs> yeah, that always amuses me. But um, and my 14 year old daughter enjoyed it. Yeah, she thought it was good, and yeah, she likes a born movie. She likes yeah, um, James Bond. It took a bit of acclimating I think she would say acclimatising to yeah when you go from slower, Jason Bourne slightly slower pace of the Bond this Bond film yeah yes, and some um, and some overacting as well yeah. which yeah. classic but enough cinema. about my viewing habits <laughs> okay well so that was great that's what we watched and then we finally got round to starting season 2 of Dead Dead to Me oh yeah a couple of episodes that, well, we? I forgot they were half an hour long, so I didn't realise how quickly it goes. And there's only ten episodes in a series, so we might get through that quite quickly. Um, and if you haven't, if you haven't seen it, the first season focuses on. Um, it's too difficult to explain. Just watch it. It's good. It, it's mean, quite complex. You can briefly explain two women. I bet come you together. can't. I bet well, yeah, you can't I'm briefly. Yeah, I'm just going to do it very briefly okay, because I don't want to ruin it for anyone. Define, define brief. Two women come together it's and they seconds. form. Go. Well, I'm going to do it in ten. Two women come together and form an unlikely friendship that is based on secrets and lies. Okay, excellent. Done. I didn't even get my timer No. Up. So you did well then. No. But I, I it is really said. good. It's funny. Um, it's dark as well. It's it is quirky. dark, yeah. Um, I've forgotten who's in it, so I can tell you. You can do that part. Who's in it? The two women. Yes. The two women. What are they called in real life? Um, I'm not sure what they're called. Jen and Judy. In... That's the characters that I just said. So oh, you, did don't you, get, say you don't that? get credit for that. Again, <laughs> one of them is my own name. Again, I wasn't. Which one's the yours? Oh God. <laughs> I wasn't paying much. Anyway, attention. that's on Netflix. So we started watching that yesterday. Did we talk about the sinner last time? Had we finished it last time? I don't remember. But we finished well, it. I think we've talked about it. We did finish it. Okay, I don't remember, but we talk, we finished that. That's yes, it. we did, because it was one good, one bad about the character. Oh, yeah. Okay, well, that, that's it in terms of what I've watched or what we've watched. What have you watched? Well, we're getting all working our way through Forty Towers for, for the daughter as well. Oh, yeah. Um, She's finding it very difficult to watch. She just finds it very frustrating how everything is obviously going to go wrong. Nothing ever works out right. Yeah, but I love rewatching it. It's great. Yeah, it's, it's top. It, I think it's a timeless classic. Yeah. In spite of its slightly iffy racial slurs. Oh, post just arrived. Ignore that. Um, if you um, heard it, if you didn't hear it, I've just said something really unusual. Yeah. Uh, there you go. Uh, is that it for the um, what we watched this week? I think so, yeah. Okay, right. I reckon it's uh, two more questions time. Two more questions time. Time for two more questions would be easier. 
So shall I just get on with it? Yeah. Okay. Question three. Which actor played James Bond in The Living Daylights and Licensed to Kill? Conveniently just coming after. I can make a guess. (laughs) Conveniently just coming after we talked about James Bond. Yeah, I can make a guess on that one at least. Okay. And question four. In which Bruce Willis film does a deadly virus, a bit topical, kill most of humanity in 1996, forcing survivors to live underground? There you go. There's the two questions. Right, I think it's... um, Climb up to the top board and do your deep dive into Clever. the assistant. Thank you. I am. Well done. Into the assistant. Off you go. Okay. Why this? What you learn about it? Why this? Because it's a it's a topical film and it's a recent film. Um, I hadn't heard much about it. I think I think I found it when I was browsing on Amazon for DVDs of upcoming films. Um, so I pre-ordered it a few months ago. Um, and obviously with COVID and everything, I don't, I don't remember seeing it in the cinemas. It seems like quite a small film, and when I researched into the production and stuff, it does make sense. Um, it's directed, written and edited by the same woman called Kitty Green, and if you haven't heard of her, it's hardly a surprise. She mostly focuses on documentary cinema, so actually this film links back to her research roots because she did research into this film, which is based around the Me Too movement and the Harvey Weinstein scandal. One thing she did in 2017 was she did a, a documentary called Casting John Bonet, which focuses on John Bonet Ramsey's death, uh, which is a, which is a topic I'm quite interested in, so I'm, I'm intrigued to watch that now. But she wanted to get into more contemporary filmmaking, so she decided to do a film about the Weinstein scandal since that was current. And this film is based on her interviews with former and current assistants in many industries, targeting the assistants who work for these big bosses who seem to get away with a lot of things. And the assistants, you know, they pick up on things that are happening in the workplace, but they don't always feel that they have enough information to be um, to be considered... I don't know what word I'm looking for. To be considered... Basically, they don't have enough evidence for anything to actually happen. They can't action anything on any... Yeah, they can't they action anything. And that's what this film focuses on. It takes place all in one day, and it focuses on Julia Garner, who, as we said, plays Ruth in Ozark. She plays Jane, who is a junior assistant at a film production company in New York. It's kind of her dream job, isn't it? Yeah, she's... As in her dream... The first step towards her dream job, which is production isn't it she wants to be a producer or something like that I think filmmaker yeah or screenwriter something I can't remember exactly but she's been there for five weeks and we can see the film just follows her she is the primary focus and it follows her day to day life working at this production company so the really menial tasks like how she gets a taxi to work in the morning and it's still dark she's there before everyone else cleaning up um, the office and getting things out for the day, getting ready. Photocopying. Yeah, the really the really boring stuff. And as her day progresses, we start to realise that she's picked up on quite a lot about things that are happening in the office, which... Well, in particular what? Well, she believes that her boss is using his uh, office time and his power of hiring to hire young women and exploit them sexually. And she's got a cover to his wife as well on the phone. 
yeah, there's a couple of times where the wife rings up and says, where is he? And she initially tells the other two assistants who are male and refuse to deal with her and basically say, this is your job. She says, I'm not going to lie for him and gets a scathing email like, or gets a scathing phone call from her boss where you can't actually always hear what he's saying, but he's swearing at her and he doesn't want her to get involved in his family life. And she writes two groveling emails in the space of the day, apologising for getting involved and she won't mess up again. Yeah, but again, she doesn't... She, yeah, she's doing that as a token gesture. She doesn't believe... She doesn't really feel sorry. No, not at all. But she's... I think... I think the word that would be impotent, that's watching the film. That's how she... Her character came across. Impotent. No... No power. Can't... No yeah. voice. She's she's kind of emotionless throughout the whole film. Like we said, she rarely raises a smile. She's polite when people come into the office, smiles and asks about their weekend. But she doesn't get... She doesn't get too emotional. She she tears up a bit when she gets the horrible phone calls and emails that she then has to deal with. But she doesn't... She never kicks up a massive fuss to the point where she's shouting at someone, begging them to believe her. Even when she eventually goes to the building next door and speaks to the HR employee play, played by Matthew McFadden. Is it Matthew McFadden? Fadian. Fadian? I don't, I don't know. Um, even when she does that, she... She's getting emotional, she's getting a little bit teary, but when she realises that the HR employee is just going to say, I understand what you're saying, but I'm not going to explore this any further. Because there's 400 people waiting to take her position or something like that. Yeah, that's what he uses against her and sort of says, you're so, you're so lucky to be here. If you've watched her in Ozarks, you will be Ozark. deeply frustrated at that scene because you want, I personally, I wanted her to be far more forceful. God, yes. You know, dropping a, an F-bomb. <laughs> um, threaten to, you know, throw him out the window <laughs> so he'd make a nice little yeah. mess on the pavement below, you know. But but that doesn't obviously no. fit the point of the film. It's made very clear that she is the bottom of the barrel. The HR employee, he's quite patronising. He's like, oh, you've been here five weeks. It's a really stressful job. I bet you haven't had a lot of time. And she, she admits she missed her father's birthday. She forgot to call because she's been so busy at work. And he uses that against her. Like, oh, you're just a bit stressed out. This young woman comes in. She's got no experience as an assistant. You're worried for your position. Well, he implies that she's jealous. Yes. Which, she, actually, she she's concerned because she speaks to this girl who's from Idaho. And the girl innocent as anything just explains how she met Jane's boss and the fact that she she was a waitress she has no assistant experience and he sort of offers her this role he brings her to New York, New York and puts her up in a really fancy hotel and the girl I can't remember what the girl's name is in in um who she talks to but when she talks to Jane she says oh so you so were you put up in that hotel and Jane says no and Jane realizes they're being treated very very differently and when her boss isn't in the office, the other men who are there supposedly to meet with him make a joke about the fact that he's gone to that same hotel and, oh, this is quite common, and making jokes in the office, like, oh, don't sit on that couch, ha, ha, ha. Like, you don't know what's been going on there. And it's, it's so obvious to us what's happening, but she just can't voice her opinion. She's stuck in a situation because she desperately wants this job. She desperately wants to succeed. Yes, and it's such a male... Um 
such a patriarchal industry and yeah. it's kind of captured really cleverly by Kitty Green in the mm. way it's feel very grey and without colour, without warmth. Uh, very we never we never meet the boss. We never no. don't even know his name. But I think that's obviously important because he represents all of the bosses, all of within any patriarchal corporate setup, I guess. Yeah. And another thing as well is that when Jane gets herself into issues because she won't cover for him and she she won't um, she won't lie to the wife and it causes all this suspicion. When she writes the grovelling email, there's two occasions she does this, and each time the other male assistants who have been there longer than she has, they come over and look over her shoulder and tell her what to write, um, including the phrase, I won't let you down again. And it's, it's just that repetitive idea. They've seen women in her position before. She's been there five weeks. Who was doing that job before she was? Did they coax someone else through this? Like, this is just to survive and get through the job. This isn't, you know, don't think anything human about it. This is just a job. So appease the boss, get through it. It's amazing how it's much cold. power one person can have because yeah. you've got two whole buildings and various floors of people all working in fear of this big boss whom we never meet. So it's quite clearly pointed towards the Harvey Weinstein um, scandal. and Yeah convictions and within that day not only do we meet the girl from idaho but we see a couple of other women coming in for interviews they've got um, their tapes their film their reels so they're keen acting. you know they want desperate to get into the profession yeah but what what one of them comes back for yeah one of them comes back for an earring that now how did Jane she drop had picked that? up off the floor that morning from the office and put it in her drawer and actually, when we watched it as well, we said that when the girl comes to pick it up, the lift door's open, she's standing there, and Jane sort of says to her straight away, oh, that's yours, and hands her the earring. And the way she looks at the earring, it's implied that maybe that wasn't even her earring. We both thought that didn't look like someone who recognises the item they've just been given. But she says thanks, and the lift door's closed. And it's, yeah, it's that idea of, well, what, what did you come back for then? How many other things are there that Jane just hasn't noticed? And um, yeah, it, it's 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 hard to watch because you're waiting for something to happen. The film is only eighty-seven minutes long, and you you would want there to be some big confrontation, but there there just isn't. And that is supposed to reflect the reality that a lot of the stories that we hear in the media, these have come out years and years later. A lot of these stories go completely unnoticed. Well, yeah, they get hidden to, and buried. Compare it to the what well, film did we watch last? Dark Waters last week. Very different. And. Well, yes and no. Dark Waters spans twenty years. This True. spans one yeah. day. So if you if you kind of zoomed in on Dark Waters, one day would be very similar, but they've just had two different approaches to it. Um, okay, it's different, different, um, different context also. But so, how was it received? And you know, what's the I think a lot, of, a lot of the reviews echo the fact that it's a short film. Could there have been more? Could she have done... Could the character of Jane have been shown to do more? And even if we didn't see 
the aftermath of that, there, there should have been something more explosive. But then a lot of people, and I tend to agree, think that the fact that it's just her day and it's so mundane and then this HR conversation is probably the biggest thing that happens in terms of her coming forward with her story, wanting to make a, a report against her own boss, that reflects exactly what happens in, a, in that setting. HR are going to shut that stuff down and that's why women are afraid to come forward about these allegations of sexual harassment in the workplace. So the, I mean, I, I, I'm torn... But then how is that encouraging women to come forward? But I think it's because this has been made after the Weinstein scandal. And this is just this is just the research that Kitty Green did and how assistants felt. I think because the scandal's already happened and the Me Too movement has happened, there is a much bigger drive for women to come forward. So I don't think this is saying don't come forward. I think this is just showing how women over the past few years have struggled in the workplace that is so male dominated and how you know they're patronized and the fact that people know what's going on and have shushed it so as she's leaving the hr exec says to her i wouldn't worry you're not his type as if that's supposed to be some kind of comfort to her he knows exactly what's going on how many times has he heard this complaint and just shut it down and i think it's just it's just it's that's what makes it so hard to watch is it's the struggle yeah i would have liked something more to happen i was bored <laughs> um, yeah, I was bored with it. Like I, I got, I get that, and, and I get why that happened. And if, if, if the not a resolution, the happily ever after, because that's unrealistic, perhaps. But some kind of something that would have precipitated some acknowledgement from the boss, or some comeback in some way because Harvey Weinstein has suffered comeback and you, you rightly so and you can imagine others now are thinking well hang on a minute um, my behaviour my attitude needs to change or maybe that I mean I have no idea about the industry at all maybe Kitty's Kitty Green's issue is that nothing's changed at all that it's all still going on uh, and perhaps you know that's her point but I would have liked Something I would have liked some confrontation, some climactic confrontation, because it's ultimately it's a it's a it's a film. You know, just because it, you know, if you took a film, shot a film of a day in my life, when audiences would be put to sleep quite quickly, just because it's realistic doesn't make it impactful. True. And I think as well, the fact that it follows her to the end of the day, she packs up and leaves. They could have left it at that, like that's the end of her day. But the fact that at the end of the film, she goes to a kind of a coffee shop across the street and she's sitting in the window of the shop and you can see the light is still on in her boss's office. And the last thing we saw was a girl who came in with her, with her real, her acting, what do you call it, her tape, her audition tape almost. And she's gone in there and there's a shot looking at the window and you can kind of, you can guess what's going on in there. And I think the fact that that happens, we see that shot and then she just sits there, doesn't, doesn't do anything. That could have been a prompt for something else to happen, but the film ends. And yes, it is frustrating. And yes, it's not the most exciting film in the world. I think it's, it's, it's an art house film is how I describe it. 
it's dealing with a a situation, a theme, and they and cast it as realistic as possible. And they cast her really well. I think she was. She is brilliant. Yeah, she lacks emotion, which that role definitely needed. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's a it's a good film. It's good to watch because it is topical, but it is frustrating to watch because there is no resolution. Um. Yeah. Anything else? Any any trivial points? There's not much about it. In what was the box tri- office? What? How much did it spend? What was the budget rather? There, I couldn't find any information on the budget, but I know it made one point one million at the box office. I can't imagine it was a huge budget, but no. I mean, it was shot in eighteen days. I imagine it's all location shooting. There's no big set change because it all takes place in one day, and I don't know how long it actually spent in cinemas. Just because it might have come out earlier in America, but I'm not sure when it came out here, so it might have been taken out of theatres fairly early because of Covid I actually don't know but um, yes shot in, shot in 18 days minimal cast Jane is the one you focus on the two assistants she works with are unnamed the boss is unseen unnamed um, Matthew McFadden that plays the HR employee and he's then there's from, a few other in employees yes or oh, he played Charles Ingram in Quiz on ITV oh, yeah, more as recently, well more yeah. recently um, but all the other people the other employees. There's a few that you start yeah, to kind recognise some faces, but there's no big names really, other than um, Julia Garner and Matthew McFadden. Okay, give it a mark out of five. I would say four. Would you say under what conditions would you say four? Under what conditions? Yeah, you said you would say four. Okay, I'm giving it four. Oh, you get. Oh, you are. Oh, yes. Because. It's a good film, it's topical, but nothing happens. I'm, I'm not saying I'd go back and watch it again. I'd give it three, and I know that... Give it less. Yeah, that might be... I think I gave Dark Waters four, to be fair, but they're just two films that now I've seen them, I, I have no desire to go back and watch. No. Maybe I'm not allowed to give it three because it's because I'm a bloke. I don't know if maybe I'm giving it four because the topic... Well, not because it resonates with, with me personally. I haven't been through that per se, but I like the fact that it is a gritty, real, art house cinema style film. I appreciate it as an art form, but that's it. So I will, I'll will i give it the same as Dark Waters for that. I just can't let it, you, you, you just said per se. <laughs> I'm not someone who says per se. I've never heard you say per se before. You can, call me posh all can the you time, spell it? I'm he, Can you spell it? He used to play for uh, Arsenal <laughs> no. and then he buggered off to Man United's. We're alienating people. <laughs> okay. Stop. <laughs> right. Um, okay, that's it. Right. Um, yeah. Get yourself out of the pool. Deep dive done. More questions. Time to time so for two more questions. These are the two I'm supposed to get. These are the two that you will definitely well, now get. Now I'm worried. Okay. Name the film based on a Stephen King novel that was released in 1976, then remade and released in 2013. Shall I read the question again for you? I feel like you've told me this question before. No. It's all brand new. Well, I don't remember the answer. That's okay. Not. Question six then. Saw, Insidious and The Conjuring were all directed by which Malayan-born Australian film director? She's just mouthed another obscenity, so I don't think you she knows this one. You say it's in one. my remit, and it should be. It is. That well, one that is. Genre, is that a genre? Is that genre? Genre. Okay, there's your, um, there's your six questions. I'll give the answers in a few minutes. What's coming out then this week for 
Okay. The listeners it, to It's not fish. really what's coming out this week because. What shall I read? There's not name much. It as. Sorry. Okay. What shall I rename it as? What's coming out in the next? What? I think it's just stuff you should watch. If you're but desperately it might be... stuck for something to do. If you really have <laughs> to sit in front of a no, TV don't, screen, don't put is that it what you like mean? that? Oh. It's just because nothing's coming out in cinemas yet. The cinemas are still showing old films because. A lot of companies have pushed the release of their films back to the beginning of August. Yeah, so I read like, is it Mulan and yeah, August? No, late, late, no, they've they've taken it off. Oh, even further. Yeah, back. today oh. they announced that they've 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 knocked it off the schedule altogether. There's two yeah. other two other films have been done. Tenet is one that people have been waiting for, and that that got pushed back again. So, cinema. I mean, check your local cinema because. I, I looked at our local cinema and that's showing The Dark Knight, for example, and I never saw The Dark Knight on the big screen, so I would like the opportunity now maybe to go and watch it on the big screen. I think that would be nice. So look at what your local cinemas are showing because why not? So what I've got is I've got one film that came out in 2019, but I only learnt about it this week, which is called The Farewell. It's a bilingual film, so it switches between English and Mandarin. And it's about a Chinese-American family. The grandmother of the family becomes terminally ill. And in their culture, this family, they don't want to tell her that she is terminally ill because they need to take the emotional burden of the news like she has taken the emotional burden throughout their lives. So the family decide mutually that they're not going to tell her anything but they try and formulate a way to get the whole family together by, um, I think it's to do with a, a, a wedding, and putting it all together so that she can be around all the family for the last few weeks, months of her life. I've, I heard a bit about it, I listened to another podcast, which I'm not gonna name because it's competition, but they talked about The Farewell and said how they thought it was, it was potentially one of the best films they saw last year. So that is out on DVD, it's on Amazon if you want to watch that. Then another one for BBC iPlayer, I think this is more recent than the ones I mentioned last week, it's called The Secret She Keeps. You mentioned this one to me as well, right, that you yes. saw. And it's two pregnant women, they lead very different lives, and they're both living with secrets and eventually their worlds collide, chaos ensues. That, I don't know how long that's been out for, but I've again, I've heard a bit about that in this week, so that's something that people might be interested in. That's all I have. Other than that, it's going back to BBC iPlayer and watching the box sets, going back to Netflix and finding stuff there. There's not much in terms of new... Get out and stuff. enjoy the summer weather. Yeah, exactly. There you go. Um, go I'm just a... very aware that August is... Next Saturday is August, so I don't want to talk about anything that's coming out in August now because that would be a bit premature. I'll have nothing next week otherwise. Okay. So Next Saturday's FA Cup final. I've done it again. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> right. Um, is this answers time then? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, God. It's your favourite part of the entire podcast. It's not. Uh, I hate podcast. it. So question one was Tom... I think I know this now. Tom Cruise starred with his... Was that a difficult then, word for you? Well, well, it's difficult to read. You're um, Tom Cruise starred with his then wife, Nicole Kidman, in Stanley Kubrick's last film. What was it? I think... Have you Googled it in the meantime? Wow. you cheating? Where's my no. phone? I don't know. My laptop's there. I've not touched it. I haven't been near my phone. Okay. 
I think, and I'm not even sure if this is Did a Did you see me see it written down? No, no, I can't read your writing at the best of times, let alone all the way over here. I think, and I'm not even sure if this is a Kubrick film now that I've thought about it, but I think they were both in it. Is it Eyes Wide Shut? It is Eyes Wide Shut. Oh, thank God. Well That's my one. Question two. Who plays the title character in 2016's Deadpool? Oh, I had an answer for this. I think it's Ryan Reynolds. It is Ryan Reynolds. Okay. She's two for two. That's it now. Which actor played James Bond in The Living Daylights and Licence to Kill? I'm making a guess. I know I know people who played James Bond. I've not seen Licence to Kill, obviously. Is it Pierce Brosnan? No, oh. it's Timothy Dalton. Oh. Question four. <laughs> You've never heard of him, have you? I have, but I okay. wouldn't have gone there. Question four. In which Bruce Willis film does a deadly okay. virus kill most of humanity in 1996, forcing survivors to live underground? Oh. Mia Jovovich is in it also. Okay, I know who she is. She's got bright orange hair in yeah. it. Yeah. I don't know the film, though. No, it's not going to come to 12 me. Monkeys. Question, ah. it's a very good film. Question five. Name the film based on a Stephen King novel that was released in 1976, then remade and released in 2013. Right. <laughs> oh, I don't know. Carrie. You have given me that question before, and I didn't get Carrie then, and I got annoyed with myself. Well, that's even more embarrassing, yes. isn't it? Right. Because I couldn't work out which one was remade in 2013, because it was made more recently. And Pet Cemetery is obviously old. Oh, question sick. six. Saw, Insidious, uh, and The Conjuring were all directed by which Malayan born Australian film director? I, I, I don't know. James Wan. Yeah, I wouldn't have thought that. Okay, so what did you get out of six? Was that three again? No, two. No, it was two. Oh dear, average to poor. You were right. I said average, but I, I, I was wrong. Okay, they they weren't the most easy of questions, but um. I'm annoyed at the carry one. I should have got that. Have you got a, a one good one bad? No. I have. Okay, you start. <laughs> okay, um, one good. Asked a big man city to get into oh, an FA Cup final. <laughs> I've got two bad. I think we should make it film related. I watched it on the telly. Fine, go on. Um, You're bad? My bad is that I wasn't there because there were no fans. Oh. That's a bad. Okay. And the other bad was then we then lost to Aston Villa. Oh, yeah. Anyway. That was tragic. That's, that's, that, it was. Hmm. Not really. But. I mean, they beat Man City. It's, anyway. So, so. thinking big things. Okay, I can come up with a good and a bad then. I'll no, make sure it's film related. Topical. <laughs> I'll say that my good was enjoying a Bond film because I put off seeing one for so long because I just didn't think it would interest me. Turns out, I don't mind them. I've seen one, but still. And my bad would be, I think, from... What have we watched? I would say my bad... Actually, my bad would be from Dead to Me without giving too much away, just the frustration of Judy as a character. Is she the one that says sorry all the time? Yes, yes. Okay. Uh, she can't keep her mouth shut. And she's trying to be helpful, but she isn't. That's all I'll say, but actually, yes. That Chaos annoyed me last night. Chaos follows. Yes. Is that it? Yeah. All done. Speaking of chaos, let's bring this organised chaos to a conclusion. Okay, then.